It's time for Love Talk with the Lovelies, Kathy, Carrie, and Evelyn. Love talking today about decisions. Thanks, Gavin. This is Evelyn Davison, and we thank you for joining us today for Love Talk here at 101 FM and 1120 AM and the radio station KTXW, the bridge, the bridge from where we are to where God is in the Central Texas area. We just uh, are so grateful for the opportunity to be here, and we've got some real surprises today. (laughs) We sure do. Hello, Miss Evelyn. Hello, listeners. This is Coach Carrie Brinkader. It is great to be with you today. What a glorious Saturday we have here in Austin, Texas. But you may be listening from around the world because you can do that on the app. Um, everything is live. We are we are broadcast there on the app on this station, The Bridge Austin, and you can find that on the App Store. Great to have you today. Decisions, 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 Miss Evelyn. That is what we are talking about. And of course, in this series, we have our beautiful and awesome, amazing friend on the line calling us from Boise, Idaho, Kathy Innerbrock. Hey, Kat. Hey, Carrie. Hey, Miss Evelyn. I tell you, this series on decisions is helping me make better decisions. <laughs> and it's even just making me aware of how many decisions that we make every single day. And I tell you, just like you said, Carrie, for those friends who missed our intro programs, listeners, I would really encourage you to go to our archives at lovetalknetwork.com. Go back to January. Look for that first intro program on decisions and just have lots of fun listening through those. Um, if you're learning as much as I am, you're going to be so well decisions that are ahead of you this year. And, you know, we're talking about that are our defining decisions, key decisions that really uh, define our life as well as just decisions that we effortlessly make every day and, and maybe don't really think about. And we do need to look at, at our decisions and, and how to make them and, and how they turn around and make us right back. And the thing I love so much about this series is we're actually going straight to God's word, looking at the fathers of the faith, our, our prestigious predecessors, if you will, and we're discussing what decisions they made, how they made decisions, what happened as a result of their decisions. So we have looked at Joshua, Paul, Moses and Aaron, Ruth and Naomi. And today, this could be my favorite program yet. I think this is my Mm -hmm. favorite program on decisions Mm -hmm. yet. We are going to be looking at four queens in the Bible, four women in very powerful decisions um, in the Old Testament. And we're going to discuss the unique decisions that they made, the positions that they were in, what led to those decisions and what happened as a result? In some cases, not a great result. In others, uh, in, entirely saved a nation. So we're going to be looking at that today. I'm so looking forward to it. Oh, we're excited about that, Miss Kathy. Uh, our scripture today is, To God belongs wisdom and power, counsel and understanding are his. And that's from Job 12:13. And, you know, it is just so exciting to get in the studio and talk about women for <laughs> It is. And we have a very special guest with us today, don't we? We do. My mom is sitting here in studio today. I know, listening friends, you've heard me talk about my parents incessantly on this show. But my mama bird is here this week. We have had um, 
she she's been here all week. We have had three basketball games this week all over the state of Texas. I tell you what, we have put so many miles on this car. If you were to see me today, you would see the bags under my eyes. Oh, come on. Um, <laughs> because it has just been, it's, it, I told my family last night, they were all in the car, I was like, this is the best week ever because, you know, we just get to travel around and, and coach basketball and play basketball all week. So, Well, you just get ready for Valentine's Day and it'll just be right on the period right just moving on you are dressed for valentine's day today miss evelyn it's kind of valentine's weekend and um what fun we're having i'm sure at your house kathy filled with three girls it's been a glorious weekend well you know, we're, we're yeah, advancing to the to um to Valentine's Day, I'm talking about women, and we have a lot of good-looking guys out there that listen to us on Saturday. So, but you know, uh, we sometimes we just uh, have to take uh, some time apart to see who we are and see where God's placed us and what He just what He wants out of it. Our general manager stuck his head in the door and, and shamed us today. <laughs> I was running late, which is not very often. But you know, we. Um, we have busy lives apart from being here uh, every Saturday, and we've done this how many years? Thirty-five years, Miss Evelyn. I just I'm so blessed um, to be a part of this. That that was your vision. I I don't even know if you knew, Miss Evelyn, that it would uh, blow up like this um, for 35 years. What an absolute blessing <clears throat> it is. Well, we hope on this Valentine's weekend that you're enjoying a lot of time. What's going on in your world, Kathy? Well, like you said, with with three girls, we have a little bit of planning to do for Valentine's Day because, you know, their daddy never wants to be outdone by any of the young men that get them anything. So mm-hmm. Eric and I went out yesterday and got them a few nice things, and Aaliyah's over at Baylor. So we ordered her stuff and had it sent to her. Oh. And so she it arrived yesterday, and so she was very, very excited when she got the box. And so she called to ask if she could open it and she did and took pictures of it and, and sent it to us. We had a really nice conversation. So Valentine's Day came a little bit early for her. But we will actually also be at a basketball game on <laughs> Valentine's Day this Friday. And, Carrie, I really don't know how you do it because I know you didn't get in till almost midnight last night. And then your day probably starts, what, about 530 in the morning? And yet you are so full of joy and have so much energy I, I just don't know if that would have been possible for me. Oh, it would have, Kathy. You know, it's kind of energizing. It's it's just a lot of fun when you get to do things that you really love. You know, getting in from a basketball game at midnight. And then, yes, I did get up at 530 to go coach practice this morning at 6. Um, and, you know, as soon as you walk in the gym and you just see those bright, shiny faces of of the young women and they're happy to be there all you know and then I get to come do radio it's just (laughs) an absolute blessing and uh, getting to do those things that we love to do right Miss Evelyn and Miss Evelyn got a a special day coming up Uh, we're excited that she's going to be celebrating her 89th birthday in just a couple of weeks So listening, listening, friends, you can be praying for that, for her to have a wonderful, wonderful special day. Well, I want to get right into this, ladies. We've got four queens here in the Old Testament. This this program is phenomenal. I would say this is my favorite program so far as well. These are women 
in very powerful positions of influence, Miss Evelyn. Okay, we know that uh, a lot of times women weren't treated with a lot of prominence. Mm-hmm. But if you were in the king's palace, right, you you were treated well. And they had not only influence but affluence as well. Some decisions were good. Some were terrible. And we're going to look at those today and what we can learn from them all. Okay, so. We're going to talk about the Queen of Sheba. She was also known as the Queen of the South, Jezebel. That name might ring a bell. Uh, it still has a, the same connotation today, um, you know, m- meaning uh, one who's a little bit crafty around the edges and not in a good way. She was the queen over Israel, Queen Vashti. She preceded Esther as the Queen of Persia. And then we will take a very brief look at Esther queen of the entire Persian empire. All right. So Queen of Sheba, she, here's, here's her, a little bit of her background. In 950 BC, she was reigning during the time of King Solomon. So they were reigning in different areas. King Solomon was at the height of his power and influence. And apparently so was the Queen of Sheba. In you can find this story in First Kings ten, as well as Second Chronicles nine. It tells us that never again did another ruler bring the quantity of precious gifts that the Queen of Sheba brought the King of the King Solomon. So she must have been a very wealthy ruler. Mm-hmm. And apparently she had lots of influence as well. She was referred to as the Queen of the South, meaning Southern Arabia, with uh, the capital kind of at or near present day Ethiopia. So that'll give you the geography of where she was reigning. Well, what, what can we learn? Uh, from her well, today. Well, we've got a lot to learn from her today. She, um, l- let me read these verses to you in Second Chronicles. This comes from Second Chronicles 9, 1 through 7. Now, when the C- queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, she went to Jerusalem to test Solomon with difficult questions. I love that. She wasn't going there to ask him little, uh, you know, she wasn't throwing him a softball, right? She was bringing the hard stuff. She spoke with him about all that was on her heart. Solomon answered all of her questions. Nothing was hidden from Solomon, which he did not explain to her. And then she said to the king, well... It was a true report, which I heard in my own land, about your words and wisdom. Nevertheless, I didn't believe these reports until I came and saw with my eyes. And behold, the half of the greatness of your wisdom was not told to me. You surpassed the report that I heard. How blessed are your men. How blessed are these your servants who stand before you continually and hear your wisdom. Wow. So, Miss Evelyn, she was so impressed by him. So she went, she asked him all these questions, mm-hmm. right? And the answers that she heard back floored her. She said, you know what? The reports I heard don't even begin to describe how amazing and wise you are. So, I, I mean, wow. And in Matthew twelve forty two, it says, 
the queen of the south, which was the queen of Sheba, came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. So she traveled and, and, and brought these questions. I have to admire this. A woman going to question a man to find out if the tales were true. So when we return to Love Talk, we're going to ask Miss Evelyn, what can we learn about the decision-making from the Queen of Sheba? Because she had several decisions to make here. Do, do, I, do I just believe what I hear? Do I travel to the ends of the earth to go and question this man and maybe get disappointed? Or... Maybe I go there and I and I hear amazing things. She had a lot of decisions to make along the way. And we're going to have Miss Evelyn talk us through that when we return to Love Talk right after this. And welcome back, friends. This is Kathy Enderbrock, and you are listening to Love Talk with the Love Ladies, the beautiful Miss Evelyn Davison in studio today with our own coach, Carrie Brinkater, on 101.1 FM, 1120 AM, and live streaming on thebridgeaustin.com. And we are talking about decisions. We are on a, in a series on decisions, and today we are talking about the four queens in the Old Testament, the Queen of Sheba. Queen Jezebel, Queen Vashti, and Queen Esther. And we just went out in our first segment um, talking about the Queen of the South, uh, the Queen of Sheba. And Matthew highlighted for us in Matthew 12 that the Queen of the South came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Mm-hmm. And Miss Evelyn, we went out and just, we passed through this verse in Second Chronicles chapter 9, verses 1 through 7, talking about the encounter of the Queen of Sheba with Solomon. And, uh, you know, basically that, that, that she came in and visited Solomon and was completely blown away by the depth of his wisdom. And she was incredibly successful. It says that she brought more fine gifts to King Solomon than had ever been brought since. So what lessons can we learn from the Queen of Sheba about decision-making? Well, it it doesn't matter uh, how much power you have already. uh, If you're in a high position, uh, you make decisions to seek wisdom from people who will guide you in the direction that's godly. That's the number one criteria. You seek that person or the group or the doctor, whatever it is that uh, can, that has the wisdom to help you. Uh, the wisdom is more precious than rubies, is what Proverbs says. But I like the one from James. James, who was um, in the new com- the new life, not the Old Testament life, but the new life. He said, "If any one lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives it." How? Generously and all without finding fault, and it will be given to you if you ask for it. And that's from James 1, 5. I love that brother, half-brother of Jesus. <laughs> you know, he, he was wise with, yes. with that verse, and I, I love James. He just, if you ever need kind of a gut check or a heart mm-hmm. check, Miss Evelyn Wright, go to James, because he just straight up tells you like it is. And he's saying right here, just seek it, just ask for it. Now, Miss Evelyn, I, you've lived almost 89 years, and I know over the course of your life, you have held many prominent positions. You have started many uh, organizations, been a part of many organizations. I, 
I holy cow, you have done so much in your 89 years. Have you ever had a position or been in a position that really made you aware of how desperately you needed wisdom? Yes, it, it was at a really hard time uh, without having to make, you know, decisions that would uh, take both uh, Van and I to perform. Um, Van had um, heart surgery, and I spent uh, six weeks at the hospital with our uh, blender making <laughs> tips that he could drink instead of eating because he couldn't sit up or anything. And it was an expensive thing, but it was a big, big lesson. Um, I guess greater than that particular thing was the time when after that that we were uh, in Colorado and I was named national coordinator, NDP, National Day of Prayer coordinator for the nation. And uh, Shirley Dobson and Van stood there with me. And I looked out at that office and, uh, the, and uh, I meant the, the audience. Yeah, the mm-hmm. audience. And all I could think of was what, you know, I went through as a child. I, I stuttered till I was 14 years old. And I thought, you know, God, I, I think you got the wrong little lady here. But, you know, it was the most exciting thing, I guess, in life for Van and I both because we really made a a commitment to that, and that was in the year 2000. Well, and you made a commitment. You told me during the break, Miss Evelyn, that you made a commitment to seek out people who were wise to help guide you in that position. Yes. And I I think that's the real... um, you know, that shows such maturity and such um, leadership that you're seeking others to mm-hmm. come along beside you, right, to to help you through that, other wise people. We are right at that point now as we're retiring from National Day of Prayer after, oh, uh, 19 and 76 is when we had our first event in Austin. Wow. Uh, that was America's 100th birthday, 200th birthday. But, so, you know, the thing that... that that is so uh, exciting about having a place of leadership is to have sweet ladies like me. <laughs> well, you're so sweet, Miss Evelyn. I seek wisdom from you, you know, because I know that, you know, we have a, a responsibility here to speak truth. Mm-hmm. And you do that so well. And, and Well, I so, stutter. You know, well, <laughs> I stuttered when I was 14, and for some reason it's come back. Uh, but, you know, it's okay. It is okay. That's it's exactly okay. right. Well, Kathy, you know, I think it's it's so amazing that this woman of power sought more leadership skills by seeking wisdom from somebody else. And, you know, if you'll look at, in my, in my profession, if you look at the best coaches in the world, they surround themselves with coaches, other coaches that uh, know as much or more than, more than they do. And I tried to do that in my career, you know, to bring other people along beside me that could bring me wisdom where I knew I was weak. Um, and that didn't. That's the key. That didn't challenge. That didn't. That doesn't mean that I'm a terrible coach. That just meant that I'm not. I'm not great in this area, and I need somebody else to come along beside me, right? And so that together as a team we can do well. 
Um, that, that, yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. We should never come to the point where we believe, okay, we've arrived. Right. We know everything <laughs> and right. we need to continue to go to God's word and, and ask him for wisdom, seek wisdom, surround ourselves with wise counselors. And, you know, sometimes when it feels like, uh, there is no wisdom, Maybe like the Queen of Sheba, we have to maybe go to far lengths mm-hmm. to to seek it out. I mean, just like, you know, again, the Matthew says that she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. That That's coming a pretty far way to seek wisdom. But I, I love that she does that and she gives us that example. And so I want to talk a little bit. We're in our second segment. I want to get into Jezebel really quick because... She, this is the perfect way to kind of juxtapose uh, the Queen of Sheba with somebody who maybe does, provides an example to us about how to not do things. And the Queen of Sheba came about uh, about 100 years, excuse me, Queen Jezebel came about 100 years after the Queen of Sheba. So the kingdom of Israel had split into two kingdoms shortly after King Solomon's death, right around 930 B.C. So we're stepping into this with Queen Jezebel around 860 B.C. And uh, so she was originally a Phoenician princess. So she came from money, I guess you could say. She came from nobility. And she actually married Ahab, the king of the northern kingdom of Israel, for political reasons. And one thing that's really interesting when you look in Scripture is that even though she was queen, Scripture does not refer to her with that honorary title. So you, when you go and look up and, and see Jezebel in scripture, whether it's in, in first and second kings or in chronicles, you, you will never see her being called Queen Jezebel. She will either be called Jezebel or the wife of Ahab or the wife of King Ahab. And so, uh, coming from this Phoenician background, she basically instituted the worship of Baal on a national scale throughout the northern kingdom of Israel. And she turned both the nation of Israel as well as the king away from God. She actually went even further and ordered the execution of all of the priests and prophets throughout the land of the northern kingdom. She was incredibly powerful. People feared her. And, you know, there's so much written about Jezebel. And even to this day, her name alone continues to mean a conniving, deceitful gold digger. So, you know, maybe someone that we don't want to emulate. Kind of funny. That So I, I want to take you through an example, okay? Because uh, I really want you to understand how she worked. And in First Kings 21, there's this brilliant story uh, this nugget that we have, King Ahab uh, approached this vineyard owner named Naboth, and the king really wanted to buy his vineyard, but Naboth refuses to sell it to King Ahab. So King Ahab is very upset. He's pouting. He's sulking around the castle, refusing to even eat. And so in First Kings 21, verse 5, we step into this story, and I'm going to read it real quick for our listeners. It says, Jezebel, King Ahab's wife, came to him and said, how is it that your spirit is so sullen that you are not even eating food? And King Ahab replied, well, because I spoke to Naboth, the Jezreelite, and said to him, give me your vineyard for money or else if it pleases you, I will even give you a vineyard in its place. But Naboth responded that he would not even give me his vineyard. Jezebel, his wife, said to Ahab, Do you now reign over Israel? Arise, eat bread, let your heart be joyful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. So 
then it says, Jezebel wrote letters in Ahab's name with Ahab's seal and sent them to elders and to the nobles who were living with Naboth in his city. She wrote in the letters, giving them instructions, saying, Proclaim a fast, seat Naboth at the head of the people, seat two worthless men before him, and let them testify against Naboth, saying that he cursed God and the king. And then take Naboth out and stone him to death. Mm. So the, so, I mean, you know, pretty conniving, right? So the men of the city and the elders did exactly as she said and took, uh, followed her instructions to a T and end result, Naboth is dead, stoned to death outside the city. And then because Naboth is dead, guess what? King Ahab, he gets to go and purchase the vineyard. So, You know, this pretty wicked gal, she, uh, under the guise of helping the king and supporting her husband, she does something that is very conniving, very deceitful, underhanded, and uh, leads to an innocent man's death. Okay, friends, so we're going to look at what we can learn from Jezebel, because there's a lot to learn here about how to not make decisions. And, you know, sometimes we can even kind of deceive ourselves and justify some of the decisions that we make, just like Jezebel did. We need to take a look at how not to do that. We're going to go ahead and go to break and hear from some of our amazing sponsors, but you stay with us, and we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Hello, friends. Welcome back to today's Christian Talk. You found the love, ladies. What a blessing. And this is Love Talk. The First Lady of Love, Miss Evelyn Davison, is in studio, and I'm Coach Carrie Brinkader, Kathy Indebrock on the line. So awesome. And we are here. Kathy, re- recap that story for us about um, Jezebel. Well, she was not really a person that we want to emulate, but we can learn so much from her decisions. So I just want to recap, yes, this story from First Kings 21, 5 through 13. There was a vineyard that King Ahab wanted to purchase. The owner would not sell it. Ahab became very distraught. So Jezebel assures her husband that she's going to take care of the situation um, that has gotten him so down. Don't worry, honey. I'll take care of it. Um, then Jezebel secretly organizes two witnesses to publicly make false accusations against the vineyard owner, which results in him being stoned to death. So with the, with the vineyard owner dead, King Ahab takes the vineyard for himself, right? Mission accomplished. So Jezebel thinks she's being a pretty wonderful queen here, right? Getting her husband what he wants. But she does this in a horrible, deceitful, evil mm-hmm. way where innocent, an innocent man ends up dying. So, you know, the thing about Jezebel, though, we have lots of, of, um, examples of her throughout the Old Testament that of her all of these evil plans that that she has as has worked out. Um, but we see over and over again that she begins to influence others to carry out evil things. And there's a particular verse in First Kings twenty one twenty five and it says, Surely there was no one like King Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, incited him. So she influences the king to begin doing this evil. And now, friends, we wonder, did Jezebel get ahead? For many years, yes, Jezebel got ahead. 
But in the end, this is what happened. As foretold by the prophet Elijah, she was thrown out of a window by her eunuchs, trampled by horses, and eaten by dogs. So kind of a really bad ending for Jezebel, though. And, you know, we, we do see that um, Jezebel ends up really paying for her schemes with her life. And I think that's something that Christ is also trying to teach us is that, friends, you know, you may see people prospering. But in the end, there will come a time when they're accountable. But Carrie, I mean, okay, decision making back to decision making with Jezebel. What can we learn, especially from this example of the vineyard owner? Well, you know, we have to check our motivation. Why? Why are we deciding to do whatever we've decided to do? What is our motivation? Is it motivated by greed or envy, or revenge, or bitterness, or a desire for maybe ultimate power. You know, a lot of times our decisions are based on on this kind of kind of evilness that 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 breeds inside of us, and we want to get ahead, we want to one up, and so we decide to do something that's motivated surely out of bitterness. And, you know, a decision can seem from the outside as helpful, like Jezebel's. You know, she's like, oh, honey, I got this. I'm going to help you, right? It's going to be a positive thing. I'll get that vineyard for us. It'll be wonderful. But the decision involves manipulation or deception, and that's when we know that it's a bad decision. Miss Evelyn, she just manipulated that landowner. In fact, she caused an innocent person to die. And that's a poor decision, right? And so we need to ask ourselves, what decisions are we making that are influencing others? You know, sometimes our poor decision-making can influence someone else to make a poor decision, and then that influences someone else to make a poor decision. And then all of a sudden we've got a group of us that are making poor decisions, Man, that's that's really a difficult path to go down. Of course, I've seen this so many times in coaching, right? You know, when one player decides to do something that's deceptive and they get another player to do it, then they're not the only one. And, you know, it's it, it constant. I, I have an example. When I was long ago, when I was first in coaching, um, I didn't always know how to handle situations because I was so young. Um, but I had this young lady who was just, Man, she just always teetered on the edge. She came from a really rough background, and she she was constantly making poor decisions. And so I was having to hold her accountable for these poor decisions. You know, I say, well, you know, tomorrow you're going to have to do extra running, or you're you, you're not going to be able to play in the first half of this next game. There were always consequences to her actions. But the thing was, she always blamed somebody else. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, but coach so and so was also doing it. And but but coach so you know, I I was there in a group or you know, whatever. It's not that bad. She never took responsibility. And she was constantly playing this victim like, but coach, you don't know what I've been through. Well, no, you're making a poor decision now and that impacts all of us moving forward. And so it was a struggle with her, and uh, we didn't leave on great terms. So she did not leave my program on great terms because, of course, eventually it became my fault, you know, um, that I was, you know, not understanding her. But you know what, friends, happened years later, and I was always challenging her, and uh, she called me. It was probably 10 or 12 years later. She found me, and that she called amazing. me. And she said, mm-hmm. Coach, I, I just want to tell you I'm sorry. 
And wow. I know. I, I can't even think about it to this day without getting choked up because it was, you know, it was, it was so heavy on my heart for so long. She said, you know, you always challenged me. You told me that I, I could continue to be a victim and blame other people for my actions and my decision-making, or I could, or I could become a victor. And I could take control of my life and take control of my actions and move forward in a different direction. And so, you know, our decisions that we make do impact others for good and for bad. Her poor decisions impacted her teammate at the time and teammates at the time and definitely impacted her. My decisions to hold her accountable impacted her in a way that I'm so glad she found me because I never knew. I would have never known. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Kathy, that just directly goes back to are we deceiving ourselves like like Jezebel did? did she, was she deceiving others? You know, this young lady deceived herself and others for a very, very long time. So it is very important to check our motivation as we proceed with decisions. Oh, man. We got Sheba and Jezebel. Let's talk about Vashti. <laughs> okay. I <clears throat> I really like Vashti. She's just there's one thing in particular that I have learned about Vashti. And so now Vashti is about 450 years after King Solomon. Okay. So Israel is gone. It's been overthrown by the Babylonians. Uh, the Persian Empire Empire has risen up. Vashti was a princess uh, within Persia. She she likely married King Xerxes or Ahasuerus for political purposes. Uh, she was described as being known for her beauty. And so there's a really u- unique uh, situation that I just want to get into the situation that we find in the book of Esther in the opening chapter. There's this huge uh, festival going on. King Xerxes is drinking with the nobles. They have been having this celebration, this months-long celebration uh, that that King Xerxes has thrown for the entire kingdom. Nobles and and commoners from all over Persia have been invited to attend. And uh, on the seventh day, uh, Queen Vashti is giving a more private party for the women in the palace in an entirely different location than King Xerxes. And the, the very last day, on the seventh day, the last of week of the celebration, King Xerxes commands his eunuchs to go and bring Queen Vashti before him wearing her royal crown because, uh, as it states, he wanted to show off her beauty to the people and the officials because she was very beautiful. And so Queen Vashti has a decision to make. Does she come? Does she not come? Uh, does she uh, leave her guests? Does she not leave her guests? And this is what we learn from Vashti. She she decides, no, I'm not going to come. She refuses to come. And uh, now some say that she wouldn't come because she was a woman of integrity and did not approve of the drunkenness of the party and objected to being shown off as a trophy. Others say Vashti refused because the king commanded that she come only wearing her royal crown and nothing else. But <laughs> that here's I, what we, I'm sure. We <laughs> yeah, we don't really know. We really don't know that. I mean, the text does not provide sufficient support for either of those scenarios. The text simply highlights her outright refusal and indicates that she not only makes the decision not to come, but she communicates her decision in a very rude manner without grace or concern for the position of her husband 
the king. And so we see Vashti doing this. She does not offer a humble uh, reply, requesting time to prepare herself or or trying to use a simple time delay uh, to get the king to reconsider. Uh, she doesn't give a diplomatic reply that she's entertaining the king king's guests in another area of the palace. Um, and, and there's no other hostess to take her place. She doesn't give a gracious reply, sending a gift to be presented with a request for clarification of the king's wishes. She offers absolutely nothing that would help the king save face or keep him from getting embarrassed on the final day of this huge celebration in front of all of his guests. She simply obstinately refuses. And we know this because of the word that is particularly used for Vashti's refusal. It is a word M-A-E-N, which is ma-n, and it simply means to refuse outright with a set mind. Figuratively, it is used to refer to a wound that has no cure. It's a very specific uh, choice of words here that implies Queen Vashti's refusal is resolute without concern for others or for the damage that her disobedience will cause. And um, so we we... We can see very easily that this word choice implies that Vashti's refusal is meant to be seen in a negative light, not just by the king, and, and but also by the reader and by the observer. And so I'm, I'm going to finish the rest of the story. And then, Evelyn, when we come back in our fourth segment, you are going to help us understand everything we can learn from Vashti and how to make better decisions than this. But in the end, uh, the outcome here, King Ahasuerus becomes furious and his anger burns within him it says in esther uh, chapter 1 verse 12 it says he removes vashti as queen banning her from his presence forever and now some historical documents suggest that this meant that vashti was killed but the text really does not explicitly tell us whether she was just killed or exiled and now friends we are at the end of our third segment we're going to get to hear what we can learn from Vashti. And there, there is a incredible nugget to take away from Queen Vashti that we can use in our decision making that will make a huge difference in this, uh, 2020 decade. Stay with us. We're going to get a word from our amazing sponsors. We'll be back with you in just a minute. Stick with us. And welcome back, friends, to Love Talk. This is Kathy Endebrock, and in the Love Talk studios is Coach Carrie Brinkater and the amazing Miss Evelyn Davison. And we are talking about Queen Vashti, the one of four queens that we see in the Old Testament. And we have something very special to learn from her. Now, in our first three segments, we have looked at the Queen of Sheba, the Queen of the South. We've looked at Queen Jezebel, and now we have Queen Vashti. And in just a moment, we are hoping that we can find time to get to Queen Esther. But so, Miss Evelyn, I want to ask you, you know, we see Vashti making this decision uh, not to appear before the before the king. And uh, the way that she communicates that decision, scripture really shows us is, is kind of a rude. It's an outright refusal she doesn't consider that she's going to cause the king a tremendous amount of embarrassment in front of all of his people on the last day of the celebration. What 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 can we learn here from the example that Vashti gives us? Well, there are a number of factors involved. And, of course, I think everything should be done 
under the banner of grace. Mm-hmm. If you're in tune with the Lord Jesus and you know how much he loves and what his power holds, uh, we are like Vashti in that regard. We can stand and be, be uh, graceful and you know, work with kindness, uh, if we make decisions that way. We communicate and implement our decisions matter. You know, I, I've just really been watching, uh, the, mm, the interaction of some of those people who are running for president in, <laughs> in our time. Uh, and it is way beyond anything that I can comprehend. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just gotten to the point that that it's not like you know that she 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 saw the evil in her stripping down. She refused it, and you know, sometimes when we make a decision, we've got to do it not just with kindness and grace, but we also have to do it with uh, with a with a commitment ourselves to live better in the area of being graceful. So. Right. You know, Miss Evelyn, this this decision. Um, the way she did it, you know, we can debate it all day. Like, was it the right decision? Was it the wrong mm-hmm. decision? Right. But how she made the decision to just be rude. Right. You know, the, yeah. the Bible specifically says that it it was brash. It, it was harsh. And I think about, you know, that there have been times that I've said things to my husband, you know, in haste. And I just see the light in his mm-hmm. eyes go out. Right. Like, oh, man, did she really just say that to me? And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? That was not kind. That was not graceful. That was not benefiting us in any way. Why did I say that like that? You know, I could have picked a million other ways to say what I was trying to say with grace and with kindness and with humility. But I chose to say it in a harsh way which is not going to be accepted. And that's exactly what Vashti did. But, you know, when you have a, a situation like this, she was, she was a picture of success. Mm-hmm. To, you know, be married to the I mean, she had it all. She had the jewelry. She had power. Uh, real life comes when you look at the heart and see how you respond to these things that you cannot control. Well, that's a good way to put it, Miss Evelyn. In fact, I said that to my son yesterday. Mm-hmm. I said, that's a lot of head knowledge there, buddy, but I, I'm looking for the heart knowledge. I'm looking for, you can have all the head knowledge that you want, yeah. but I'm looking for what's going on inside, what's going on inside that heart. And right now, <laughs> we're, we're struggling there right now with this particular issue, you know, a teenage thing. How old is he? He's 15, 15. my baby giant. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so, That's a critical year. It is always. absolutely. You know, uh, Kathy, I, it's it's important how we say things and how we communicate things, and that's a decision that we make, right? It, whether that was the right decision or the wrong decision, how she communicated that decision mm-hmm. was very important and determined many things to come, which actually led to her being being ousted from being the queen and a new queen on the property in the next four years. Tell us a little bit about, if you have any comments on Vashti, but then tell us a little bit about Esther. 
You know, absolutely. And I love that you that you brought your husband into this because, you know, we when when we're 89, like Miss Evelyn, and we've been married for 65 years, we still want our men eyes to sparkle when they look at us. And I think, you know, when we are making decisions, the, the tone that we use, um, the gentleness that we use, the grace that we use, especially when we disagree with a, a decision, uh, you know, when we're in disagreement over something, we can never abandon grace, never abandon grace, not in our marriage, not with our kids, not in our relationships. It's okay to disagree it's okay to make different decisions. Let's never abandon grace in how we communicate those decisions. And let's never stop considering others and how they're impacted with the decisions that we make. So, okay, on to Queen Esther, because I really want to get into this in this fourth segment. And this is going to be a teaser, friends, because next week we're going to look at everything we can learn about decision making from Esther but there is one incredible nugget that hope that 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 we can get at the very opening of this story and now it has been about 4 years since Vashti was banished and Esther's about 14 years old and the king decides he needs a new queen and so Esther is a foreigner in in the land of Persia. She's a Hebrew living among the Persians. She's an orphan raised by her her uncle who adopted her when her parents died when she was a young girl. And she was beautiful. It it says in scripture that she had a beautiful figure and was extremely good looking. Now this is what we learn about Esther. She did not in anyway seek to be queen. She was forcibly removed from her uncle's home. Uh, because she was considered an eligible virgin and she was taken to the king's palace and placed there with hundreds of other young women, <clears throat> hundreds of other young virgin, virgins for the king to consider in selection to become queen. So there's so much more to tell about Esther, but, but here's what we learned from Esther. Do not seek power in decision making because if God has it for you, he will move you to it. <clears throat> I'm sorry for my voice, friends. And do not let the fear of power keep you from making the right decision. Mm. And so it's just incredible. And, you know, Carrie, I don't know if we even have time to get into this, but have you guys ever been put into a bigger position than you were ever seeking to be in? And you just thought, you know, that that's too big for me. I can't do that. You know, I felt that way last summer. Um, I was asked to be camp pastor at a middle school camp. And I thought, what, why, why on earth are you asking me to be a camp pastor? I was like, what? These people are crazy. And, um, I, I, I didn't seek that position, just like Esther didn't seek that position. But I had been asking God, like, okay, Lord, what's next? What's next? What's next? And you got to be careful when you pray that because just like with Queen Esther, he just moved that right into my path. And he said, no, 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 no. Get, these guys are right. They're asking the right person, Carrie, you know, come on now. Buckle up because I'm about to take you on a big old ride. And... um I think a lot of times it has to do with our self-confidence, Miss Evelyn, right? You know, we just don't yeah. feel like we're equipped. And the Lord says, oh, no, you are. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to equip you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the tools that you need to do the job. You know, one of the things I love about Esther is she took three days 
even when it came down to the point she had to make the decision. And, you know, we've all had those points. Buy a new house, you know. Boy, you got to go through every detail. She painted and powdered and puffed herself up and rested three days before she went in, but before she made herself, you know, where she needed to be. Well, and that's sometimes, also a good lesson for us, right? It is, because sometimes we get in a hurry. We're not, we have asked God, you know, the Lord Jesus' name had been mentioned. Uh, that is one of the striking things from Esther's story is that she, she, she got counsel. From the leaders, but she took three days and she fixed herself up and she asked Jesus what to do. Well, so and we she, need to do that. She, yeah, it's a good lesson for us when we have a big decision to make. We might just need to step back and and and, and wait just a little bit and be patient. Um, Kathy, you got anything else to add before we wrap up this awesome show with a little teaser for Esther next week? Well, you know, I mean, there's just so many decisions that. Or, you know, things that we learn, lessons that we learn from these four queens about decision making that, you know, no matter how much power you have or how high your position is, make the decision to seek wisdom. Mm -hmm. And when we make decisions, we have to check our motivation. Are we motivated Mm -hmm. by greed, bitterness, desire for power? What is motivating us? And we need to hold ourselves accountable that a decision can be seem um, from the outside is helpful, but if the decision involves deception or if the mo- motivation is selfish, it is a bad decision. And um, Evelyn Carey, I mean, I don't know what really stood out to to you. I mean, I I love that uh, the point that was made um, in in Jezebel that we need to ask ourselves what decisions are we influencing others to make. Mm-hmm. And then from Vashti, when we make a decision, well, we have to implement it and communicate it with kindness and grace. That's so important. And, you know, we will learn more about Esther next week, but we can take away from her, don't seek power in decision making. If God has it for you, he will move you to it. And at the same time, don't let the fear of power ever keep you from making the right decision. Wow. Thank you, Kathy, for wrapping that up. Friends, we are so blessed and so thankful that you join us here on Love Talk. You know, you can go back to our archives, Love Talk Network. You just don't want to miss any of the programs from this series on decisions. What a delight it is to look back at those that have preceded us to give us insight and wisdom into our decision-making today. We absolutely pray that you have a fantastic Saturday and Sunday. Find a church to worship the Mm. Lord. And if you need us, please call us on the love line, 512-249-6535. You can talk to us. We'll send you a Bible, and we can talk you through the biggest decision that you'll ever make in life, and that is seeking Jesus and bringing him into your life as your personal Lord and Savior. Friends, we love you so much here on Love Talk, and we'll see you next time right here, Saturday, 2 o'clock. Join us. Take care.